Good morning, second service. I always like to, when Pastor Kevin hosts before I preach, to just say a couple things about how Pastor Kevin hosts. Number one, that smell at junior high camp is going to be awesome. I heard like 70 kids. I'm like, okay, yeah, no thank you. I'm glad that's not my job. All right, uh, that was one thing. And yes, uh, Pastor Kevin does a great job advertising man camp, and he said it. I mean, hey, if you don't want to go for the guns and the throwing axes, go for the bacon, because I have seen Pastor Kevin throw axes and shoot guns, and he does go for the bacon. All right, just saying it right now. All right. Good morning, church. Good morning online. I'm Pastor Chase. I'm the Connections Pastor here, and I'm excited to dive into week three of our Ephesians series. Let me give you some highlights of what's been going on in this series. We've been unloading some of the mysteries of the book of Ephesians. And in week one, Pastor Dan kind of said, hey, if you call yourselves a believer, you're in this family, all right, this family of God. All right, that was week one. Week two was Pastor Nate talking about, hey, we've all missed the mark, and that's sin. But we have the mystery that is grace that saves us, right? So that's been the last two weeks. And so what's happening here is Pastor Dan said in week one of Ephesians that Paul wrote this letter, probably a circular letter, to multiple places, but to the church in Ephesus, and these first two chapters that we've covered really talk about, hey, here's who we are in God's eyes. I have a passage this morning, it's a longer passage in chapters 3 going into 4, and what I call it is a hinge. I call it a hinge because you had the first couple chapters, and it's all about, hey, here's how God sees us. And now in the latter half of this letter from Paul, it's more of, here's what you do. Here's some application. So we're going to be really in the hinge of this letter today, switching from how God sees us to what we need to be doing. I'm excited to dive into the Word, but before we do, let's prepare the way I know how, and that's with prayer. So bow with me. Heavenly Father God, I'm just so excited we could dive into the Word this morning. I'm so thankful for it's online and in person this morning. We just ask that it be your words, not mine, for yours are wise. May we just take to heart something that you want us to get, including myself, from this message this morning, God. We give you all the praise and all the glory. Praise on your son's name. Amen. Let me start off with this. When I read this text this morning, there's going to be a word that I really want us to focus on today. And that word is equip. Equip means to supply with the necessary items for a particular purpose. All right? Equip. When I think about that word, there's a, there's a story in my life that I can think about a time that I was equipped. You know, I can go back to some sports stories. I can go into some of those, some school stories. But there's one that sticks out to me because it happened at an earlier age, and I just love the story. When I was fifth or sixth grade, uh, a little background, I was raised on a farm, 150 acres. Um, and so I was the youngest and when I was in fifth or sixth grade, it was that time where dad was like, well, mom and dad, but probably dad was like, you can stay home by yourself while we're gone for several hours tonight. All right, so cool. Um, being raised on a farm, I will say this. So definitely we had firearms in the house. I had hunted small game, went through hunter safety classes. And so I knew how to operate a firearm safely. So dad wanted to make sure I was equipped to be at home by myself just in case something bad happened, all right? And so he went through everything, you know, you know, taught me, hey, somebody knocks on the door. Remember, we live in the middle of nowhere. No one just walking by our house. Don't open the door, all right? Basic common sense knowledge. All right, cool. Well, about, you know, 45 minutes to an hour into being home by myself for the first time with this, this is what happens. 
weird because like the nearest neighbors like the grandparents and they're like a mile and a half up a hill I don't know what's going on again so I'm like hey who is it no answer again who is it no answer okay at that moment I grab my single shot brick action 20 gauge New Englander I throw a slug in all right that's a solid piece of steel for those who don't know that bring the brake action up, pulled the hammer back, pointed out, and said, all right, identify yourself or a round is coming to the door. I'll continue that story later. All right. So Ephesians chapter 4 is the text I want to dive in this morning. So Ephesians chapter 4, here's what we get from Paul in verse 11 to 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about in every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, when I read this text, and I read the text I was going to be preaching through, and I've been studying for the last couple of weeks, I want you to know this. If you ask any pastor, what are your top ten verses that you really know in your mind fairly well? This is going to be on the top ten list. Because every pastor knows this text and says, okay, here's kind of our mission. Here's our job description. Here's what we're called to do. It is to equip the saints. Some of you might already be saying, oh, no, I came on Serve Sunday, and he's going to ask us to serve. Well, if you don't fall asleep, you'll hear what the message is about. It might not be. I might surprise you, all right? But maybe you might be thinking that right now. But what you know is that's how every pastor sees this text, and every pastor is going to know this text fairly well. Most church leaders know it. You'll probably hear it recited. But let me tell you about Paul and why he's writing this text. Because earlier in chapter 3, Paul gives you more about who he is and what he's called to. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though, I am the very least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Verse 10, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. What you're hearing here is Paul is telling you, here's the call I have. Here's what I'm thinking that my responsibility is. Here's why I'm writing this. Because as Pastor Dan talked about in week one, there was a difference between Jews and Gentiles. We covered it a little bit last week. Gentiles didn't really know all the word. And we had this thing called Gentile inclusion, which is a lot of detail. If you want to know more, I would love to teach you more. But if I talk about it much longer, the front row might fall asleep on me, all right? 
But I want to talk about that a little bit more, just a little bit more. Because you need to understand something. There was a division, and it was a hard division. Gentiles and Jews did not mix. And the point was the gospel, that it's a mystery, was for everyone. All right? That's what I'm going to get. That's the synopsis. So, that's Paul's call. And we look back and we talk about that word equipped, that you know, you're equipped, that we are equipped. I hear this all the time in the church. Okay, Chase, I get it. Paul's called. Your job as a pastor is to tell me that I should be doing some things, but I don't feel like I'm talented. We can talk about equipping all day long, but I don't feel like I have talent. I don't feel like God has gifted me with things. I don't feel like I have that. And I want to respond to us in a certain way, and it's this. Do we not realize that you have been created by God and gifted by the Holy Spirit? I want you to hear the truths that are in that statement. The first truth, which in this room, I don't care if you know Jesus or not, because his first truth is for you. You've been created by God. We can all start there. You've been created by God. In fact, when all the creation was happening, not just was it good, God said it is very good, this creation of humanity, of man and woman. And then going to that second part, you've been gifted by the Holy Spirit. You call yourself a believer from week one. You think you're in the family of God, as Pastor Dan talked about. You have been gifted by the Holy Spirit. Oh, Chase, how do you know that? Well, let me not give you my opinion. Let me give you some scripture for it. Paul later to a church in Corinth writes this in chapter 12, starting in verse 7 or 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Yes, you are gifted. And those of you who have been in church long enough know, oh, hey, that's like the, that's the gifts of the Spirit passage. Maybe we're diving into that. No, we're not. I'm just hitting the basic truth that, yes, you have been gifted by God. Yes, you are created. I am created by God. So when you ask the question, oh, I don't feel like I'm talented enough, God. God, where's my gifts and talents? They have been given to you if we're in the family. Okay. Who's ever seen the movie Vantage Point? It was the worst movie ever made like 12 years ago. We're going to do this all day long. Let's rewind back to our main text. We'll be here like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Here we go. So back to chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. All right. Maybe you're like, Chase, you're a great persuader. I feel it. I'm already, I know I'm created. I know I'm talented. I get you. All right. But you said it earlier. You went back and said, hey, here's what Paul thought his calling was. I don't feel I'm called. Maybe that's what you're saying. Maybe, no, Chase, you're called. No, Pastor Dan's called. He's called to deal with those kids back there, not me. You know, Pastor Kevin's called to smell that awful smell all weekend long. That's what his calling is. That's not my calling. And you might ask that question. You might say, I don't, I don't have that calling. You know, that was Paul. That's you guys. That's vocational pastors. 
Really? Because I want to, you know what, I'm going to give you a secret. I'm going to give you the secret recipe. Most pastors won't tell you this. Most of you in here could do my job. I'm just telling you that. Some of you could probably do it better than me. Don't know if you could look as good, but you could probably do it better than me, all right? I'm serious. So let's stop putting this, oh, they're called vocational, so they're up here. We don't have calling. That's not true. How do I know that? Because Paul also writes the other letter to the church in Corinth. He says this in chapter 5. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. Let me tell you what that text does not say. <clears throat> Here we go. <clears throat> That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us, the pastors, with the message, us, the leadership team, with the message, us, the priest, us, the pope. That does not say that. This is written to the church, and guess what? You're the church. I don't know. Maybe the message translation says that, but it does not say that in my Bible. I apologize. The message is okay. <laughs> but guys, we've taken that verse, we've taken text, and we've said, oh, that's only for these people. They're way more gifted than I am. Or better yet, that's only for them. Because they're a certain age, certain demographic. You kidding me? Jew and Gentile, slave or free. Guess what? That's everyone. There's a word in here that I love, and it sticks to me a little bit because my alma mater for my undergrad degree is Ozark Christian College, and our mascot was the ambassadors. I was making a joke earlier to one of the other pastors on staff. When you go to any Bible college across the country, you can pretty much guarantee that you can name the mascot within five guesses without having any knowledge. Angels, ambassadors, prophets, you, you can pretty much name them, all right? There are some weird ones out there, like there's a Bible college that mascots the dragons. I don't get it, because read Revelation. Okay, um, so when we talk about it, so like this means something to me, therefore we are ambassadors. What does that word mean? Well, guess what? It means representative. It means envoy. It means promoter. We're called ambassadors for Christ. It means we're promoting Christ. We're his envoy. His diplomat, the bringer of the message. That's what an ambassador is. All right. All right, Chase, I concede. I'm created, I'm talented, and all right, maybe I'm called. But I, I don't feel like I'm ready. What else is there for me to do? Well, let's be honest. There's some more to do. Earlier in this letter of Ephesians chapter 3, Paul gives this in this awesome prayer for spiritual strength. Starting in verse 16, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. What I love in that prayer, and I see that word rooted, okay, I'm going to unleash my inner nerd 
So yes, I do consider myself a fairly manly man. I do consider myself okay, but like I, there is a nerd part of me. And so scripturally, when I see that word rooted, it takes me back to an Old Testament text that I absolutely love. Psalm 1, 1 through 3, 1 through 3 says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day in and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. I, I love that. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water. Man, a tree that's planted by the stream, those, those roots are going to go deep. They're getting the nutrients from that stream. Yeah, I get it. I'm a nerd. I, I understand that. But, like, you got to just picture it. That's how we should be in our faith. You know, I know the psalm says, oh, and they dedicate themselves day in and day out to the law. Like, what does that mean? Well, for you and I, We've dedicated ourselves to the teachings of the word. We're, we're, we're studying this. We're, we're knowing what it says. I'm not saying you're cracking this open every hour of the day. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you know it well enough that it's written in here. You know what it says in here. You know it enough that when someone gets on the stage and preaches and they say something, you're like, man, is that really scriptural? Because you should be able to know that. That's what we're doing. This is what we're dedicating ourselves to because here's the truth. And this is what we root ourselves in. And we plant ourselves by that stream. That stream is the Holy Spirit. That's going to give us that yearning to grow more. So yeah, if you feel called, you feel like, yep, I'm talented, I'm created, there is more to do. we got to root ourselves in the Word, in the Spirit of God to want to learn more. You know how you do that? It's not just here on Sunday morning. If you are banking on getting all of your knowledge of Scripture from four or five pastors that preach up here, man, I am so sorry. Because I promise you, you can study this. If I, had 19 year, as a 19-year-old kid, could go to school and start studying this, I promise you, no matter where you're at, you can study this. You need help studying this? We want to help you study this. It's that important. It's every day. It's diving into it, knowing what it says. So that's what we do. All right. So I get it. I'm rooted. Flashpoint. Back to the main text. Ephesians chapter 4, 14 to 16. Yeah, we are here after lunch. Okay, here we go. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Verse 16. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped... When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You might see that. I got something highlighted for you. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, deceitful schemes. Yes, in this text, it's talking about false prophets, false teachings. And you might see that word doctrine, and you're like, oh, Chase, I got it. I agree, I might be created, I might be talented, I might be called, but I don't know anything about doctrine. I know nothing. 
my first answer to you, my gut answer to you as a pastor might, might shock you, good. Here's why I say that. Because let me tell you something. We argue and fight over some of the stupidest things that there possibly is. You think that's just in the world? You think, that's just, you think we're just disunited in the world? Come on, that's the church. The church is the same way. There's a reason why the last time I checked, I mean, and I checked a couple years ago, according to Pew Research, there's like 33,000 different denominations. Come on. We argue over dumb things. Some of you know my background a little bit, know that I've been a pastor at smaller churches. I've even spoke at larger churches. And let me tell you what I've seen across the spectrum. Things in the church become Jesus. I'm serious. All of a sudden, the stage design changes, and somebody's like, whoa, that has been that way for 13 years. What are you doing? That is crazy. Hey, that flag moved four feet. What's going on? Dude, did you see the ushers? They passed the offering from the left instead of the right. You guys got to talk to them. They need better training. Now, I make jokes about those things. But let's be serious. We argue about other things as well. That you might think is more serious, but let me talk about that for a second. Because you might say, you know, doctrine, I don't know enough theology. I don't have enough knowledge of what God's ideas are or how we should function in the church. So how can I be called to be equipped and to do things with that? Ephesians chapter 4 verses 1 through 5 says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Verse 3, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And you might be like, see Chase, there's a whole lot of theology in there and I have no idea what it says. So how can I do this? Let me tell you something. From me to you, my personal opinion, so Chase's personal opinion. When we talk about theology, we talk about like random things theology-wise, I get it. Everybody likes to talk about certain things like, oh, end times, how is Jesus coming back? I want to know that. Let me tell you my personal opinion that I will preach and share to you. My personal opinion is this. Ready? I don't care. I know he's returning and he won, and I'm cool with that. I am good with that. Now, yes, do I have an intellectual opinion that I think, oh, here's how it's going to happen, and here's how I'm proving somebody else wrong? Yeah, I have that. But you know what? That's not for me to like, be like, hey, that's what I share to everybody. Why? Because what's important is what Paul just spoke about. One Lord, one faith. And more, more importantly, like, you know, Romans 14, Paul says it better. Stop quarreling over these little things. Because let me tell you, church, if you believe that the way to God in eternity is through Jesus Christ, through the blood on the cross, through the risen tomb, you and I are all right. Yeah, we might have to have some conversations about what sin is. Yeah, we might have to have some conversations about creation. But you know what? You are my brother and sister in Christ. If you know what the road to salvation is, we're good. But you know what's funny? We, we tear places down. For not having a, different, for having a different viewpoint than that. Oh, yeah, they agree on that, but they disagree on membership. We agree on that, but they disagree on this, whatever it might be. 
That is why before you see that text, that really weighted text about that unifying speech of one faith, one baptism, one Lord, the reason why it's here, I think I know why Paul wrote it. Um, I do believe that Paul was fairly smart when he did this. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Ready? With all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain unity in the bond of peace. There's a lofty list that I don't follow all the time. I'm serious. That's hard. So get it? You, you want to say to me that you don't know enough? If you know that you belong to Jesus and you know how you have eternity with him, you know enough. Uh, yes, you should want to know more, so don't hear what I'm not preaching. But I want you to know, stop using that excuse that you don't know enough. All right, flashpoint, back to our main text again. I promise we'll get there in an hour. All right, verse 5, verse 11 and 12, here we go, Ephesians 4. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And you might be saying, oh, earlier Chase used a different translation and now he's using the NIV because he wants to focus on this word service. So now he is dropping the other shoe. See, I stayed awake for nothing. He's talking about serving. Yeah, I am. But not the way you might think I am. Because here's what's funny about that word service in the text. Sydney, you can throw that back up for me. That word service in the text. When you see that word service, two-thirds of the time in the New Testament. You know what it deals with? The spiritual and practical physical needs of the community outside the walls. Outside the walls. So yeah, you're right. This isn't me giving some kind of call to work in kids town. Yes, they would love to have you. They take all the volunteers. I get it. They would love you. Yeah, this isn't a call for you to come shake hands and welcome people. This isn't a call to be part of our worst team or tech team. Those are great things. And we should be owning our church that we belong to. This message is about something else. Because what Paul's hitting at is you're equipped for something else. If you only get one thing I say today, it's this point. And I'm going to tell you something. I didn't come up with this point. I guarantee you like a hundred other pastors before me have preached the same exact point. Church is not a spectator sport. Here's what I mean by that. Let me give you an illustration. Who has ever been to like a Broadway show? Like in Chicago, St. Louis, or New York? Anybody ever been to a Broadway show? Okay, so... Um, I'll give you some background. My wife, Megan, loves musicals. Loves musicals, okay? We went to New York one time. We decided to go see Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. All right? We just decided to. Let me tell you, here's what did not happen when I walked in. I did not walk in and the producer of the show was like, hey, Chase, we need you to play the Phantom. Put on this stupid-looking mask, walk around, sing some goofy songs, have a good time. All right? Okay. Sorry. Just kidding. I'm not a big musical fan. Sorry. I do it because I sacrifice my wife, all right? But anyway, that did not happen, all right? That did not happen. We didn't walk in and like, hey, Megan, we need some more ticket sellers. We need some people that are serving drinks, so can you do that? That did not happen. So here's what I get. I understand the confusion sometimes of how when we feel, when we come to church, it's the same as that. I get it. You walk into a Sunday morning, 
at 9, or more of my people at 1045, I love it. And you come in here and you're like, man, killer worship. Pastor Nate and his team are doing a great job leading worship. It's like a concert in here. Front rows jumping up and down, rocking out. I feel great. Walk in, get, get an okay message from Pastor Chase that day. I get it. That's all right. It kept me awake. We'll leave, have some great caramel coffee. All right, that'd be great. But here's the difference, church. You might walk in here and you might at some point, not day one, I promise you this will not happen day one, be like, hey, we'd love to have you run audio. All right? We'd love to have you do that. We don't let people day one do that. It's a little tougher than you think. All right? We don't come in, you, you know, you come in here, you might get asked to teach at some point. You might get asked to serve at some point and do something. Well, you're like saying, Chase, you told us this isn't about serving the church. You're right, it's not. But I want to hit you the small part because actually, guys, serving in the church, that's the easy step. I'm serious. That's the easy step. Because what this is actually about, what this is about is knowing that this is not about just us coming into a building and sitting for 65 minutes, hearing some good music, hearing a message, and saying, all right, let's take it home and let's talk about this. Let, let me tell you this. A question that has been asked more this year in my lifetime than I think ever before is what is wrong with the world? Let's be honest. We look back at 2020, and that's a question we've had. What is wrong with the world? Amen? Yeah? All right? And what I love about this is in 1910, 1910, all right, that question was asked. What is wrong with the world? In an essay. And G.K. Chesterton wrote back, and he said this, Dear Sirs, I am. Let me flip that a little bit. As a pastor, as a church leader, I get asked all the time, what is the problem with the church today? And I don't mean Great Oaks. I mean, what is the problem with the American church today? Let me just use American church, all right? I get asked that question a lot. I talk about it other groups of pastors. I talk about other people. And here's what I've logically had to come down to. Here's my process of elimination. When I ask that question, what's wrong with the church, I, I can't start with, i got to start with this. We have to agree on this. Well, it can't be Jesus. I'm serious. We have to start there. It can't be Jesus. And then I have to go to the other part. Okay, so maybe it's America. Maybe America and the world is the problem. But if I go to that point, Scripture would argue with me that the world should not have that influence on the church. So i got to eliminate that. So that leaves me with one logical conclusion. The problem with the American church, no offense, is this room. It's you and I. I get it. You know, Chase, I'm never coming back to this church again. <laughs> Guys, and I, I'm saying this because I, I, it's me too. Why are we the problem? Let me tell you, I, I think um, an illustration I, I've learned from like, uh, I think maybe it's probably Matt Chandler because he's one of the people I study a lot. And I loved it, but I made it my own, is this. I played a lot of sports growing up. One of the sports I loved playing was football. Just long days, remember sweating, sweaty shoulder pads, sweaty pads all over. When I first started football, no, no one ever knew where all the pads went. But you as parents might understand that's a, that's a problem for a lot of kids when they first start playing football. And I remember growing up and playing football, having long practices. 
And then even so, there was some practice. We got to junior high and high school that we had this thing called the pole orchard, which has these poles, and you stand between them as football players. And inside those poles, there is no rules. Whatever new wrestling move you saw on WWF, you can do it. Uh, obviously, schools don't do that today, <laughs> okay? But that was like, I remember that. And I remember us practicing all the time. And we practiced for a reason. Because at some point, I had to get on the field. At some point, I had to line up on the line. At some point, I had to know when the snap was going to happen and not jump off sides. Not enter the neutral zone. As a defensive tackle, I had to try to predict what kind of count the QB is given. To know that I can go at that guard as hard as I can, swim move him, hit that halfback or quarterback as hard as I can. So you're like, Chase, I have no idea what you're talking about. Ask somebody when you get home. <laughs> but what I'm saying, church, is yes, this, life groups, fellowship events, you diving into the word, that's all practice. When are we going to get on the field? When are we going to take a snap? Because let me tell you, you are created, you are called, you are gifted, you have been rooted if you've disciplined yourself, and we've even united. You might think that only pastors are called to ministry, but everyone is. And let me tell you what your ministry is. Your ministry is your family, neighborhood, school, and workplace. That's what your ministry is. And you might be saying, oh, 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 Chase, I, I don't have a workplace. I'm a single mom. What? There's no tougher job than that. There's no tougher job. And guess what? That's why family's first. Raise up your kids in the way they should go. Front row. Go to school. And I'm not saying be the weird kid. It's like, hey, read this verse with me. I'm saying know it. So you're like, hey, when I have a relationship and talk to someone about what they're struggling with, I can tell them, hey, here's how I get through it. You know this last year that was totally bombed? Here's how I did okay. It's because I know that I belong to God. I have Jesus. I have cool people that sit alongside me. I say that because Carter's not up here. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's awesome. Church, that is your ministry. Your workplace. You may be like saying, I, Chase, I can't preach the gospel at my workplace. Absolutely you can. How you act is your gospel message. And I am preaching to myself just as much as you. Because you think I can get fiery on stage? I promise you I can get fiery at work. And I have to watch that. I have to watch my actions, the words that come out of my mouth. That's your gospel. You've been created, called, gifted, rooted, and united to do this. You've been equipped to do it. Church, this walk of faith that you're on, it's not done as an individual. It's not. And you might say, whoa, about a month and a half ago, Chase, you talked about how salvation is my individual confession. It's me talking to God. So what are you saying? Because you're contradicting yourself. No, I'm not. Listen to me. I guarantee you when you made that decision, somebody along the way influenced you. I guarantee you when you made that decision, somebody was there. Somebody had helped talk to you. And you might be like, nope, I had a pole moment. He stopped me on the road somewhere and blinded me and he came out. Sweet, come talk to me because I want that story. Come talk to me. But I guarantee you along the way there was somebody else there. And what I mean by that is you can't do this alone. I can't do it alone. We need accountability. 
So yeah, the life group pastor is going to plug life groups right now. Get in life group, church. Get in community, church. You're like, hey, Chase, I'm at home online. I don't know what to do. I got online life groups. Get in one. Because we need community right now. We need to band together and do this. You are created, called, gifted, rooted, united in one. Who is it? Who is it? No answer. Let me remind you where I was at. Slugs chambered. Break action was up. Gun was aimed. And I said, if you don't answer, the route's coming through the door. At that moment, my six foot four, 280 pound father was like, whoa, it's me, don't shoot. <laughs> because he wanted to make sure that I was equipped for any situation that might happen. I get it. If you're truly gonna take this out to your neighborhood, you might face situations that you don't know how to face. You might be like, hey, Chase, I might be equipped with the gospel, but man, there are some hard situations. I don't know how to talk to someone that lost their spouse. I have my spouse. I don't know that pain. I don't know how to talk to the mom that's got a drug-addicted son. I don't know how to do that. Church, it's okay, because all you gotta say is this. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here. I just wanna talk with you. Whatever you wanna say, if you need to vent, if you need to yell, if you need to scream, I'm here. I'm probably the worst pastor to tell you this, but you don't always have to know the answers. You don't always have to know the right thing to say. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, you being there is gonna mean so much more than whatever comes out of your mouth. Now there's gonna be those times you get to have those conversations. And you engage people. Maybe it's your child that just says, hey, mom, how do we know heaven's up? That's a question. And I'm still trying to figure out how to answer that as a pastor. I'm serious. They ask some of the toughest questions and they seem so basic. And then you can talk to your kid about what faith is, what it means to have faith in God. Having that spiritual gift of faith, because it is a spiritual gift. And maybe you're like, man, the workplace is hard. No one there lives the faith that I do, and I'm alone. Okay, I hear you. Here's what you need. Talk to somebody that's in the same environment as you, or that's in a similar situation, or a pastor, and just say, hey, can you pray for me? Can you strengthen me with prayer? Can you give me that prayer that Paul mentioned, that I could be rooted, that I could be steadfast? Because I want to do ministry well, because I believe that I'm equipped and I know I need to do this. Man. Hear me, church. You can do this. I can do this. How I know I can is because I serve a risen Savior that took it to the cross for me because I did miss the mark like Pastor Nate said last week. And he said, guess what? You put your faith in me, I don't care. That's over. I don't care what you're dealing with, what you're going through, what sin struggle you have, what broken relationship, what problem at work, what marriage has failed, what parenting style has not worked. Whatever it is, wherever you've missed the mark, that is the mystery of grace. 
That is the mystery of the gospel, that we have him. So the last question you might ask is this, where do I fit? Where do I fit? Chase, I get it. We, we pulled you out of some small town place in Pennsylvania to be our connections pastor. So you had this calling, and I get it. So you had to fit somewhere else. But where do I fit? God hasn't spoke to me this way. Church, he has. And it's this. We've used this illustration, that we're, this puzzle illustration. Do you realize in God's masterpiece of a puzzle of humanity, you fit right where you are. What I mean by that is if you want to understand the great commission that's in Matthew, you know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. It doesn't say go when I give you this exotic calling. Go when I let you know that Zimbabwe is for you. Go when I tell you it's Egypt. Go when I tell you it's China. It just says go right where you are. Maybe that's Metamore School. Maybe that's East Peoria High. Maybe that's Caterpillar. I've heard they need some Jesus too. Maybe wherever it is. Maybe it's OSF. Maybe it's Unity Point. God forbid it might be Walmart. I don't know. You're right where you need to be. And you might be hearing this message and think, man, I've left you out completely. Maybe you don't know this person, Jesus. And you're right. This message hasn't really been for you. I'm sorry for that, but I want to talk to you for a second. The basic truth that I gave in ground one was you have been created by a God. I want you to know that from me. The next thing I want you to know is you are loved by God. And since you are loved by God, I naturally love you. So if you need to know more about that, I want to dive into why that's an important thing, how that got me through this last year of awesome, awesomeness that it was. Talk to me. Talk to Dan. Guess what? Talk to your neighbor because hopefully they can have that conversation with you too. We want to give you that opportunity. Lastly, I digress and I'm closing now. I say this. This last song is called Build Your Kingdom Here. It's a great song. I don't just love it because I love Ring Collective, but it's like a charge the mountain kind of song that we should build our kingdom here. It is so exciting. So front row, you're gonna lead this because you are awesome. Show people how to worship. You wanna do flat screen TV hold, that's fine. You wanna do field goal, it is good worship, that's fine with me. You wanna do crossed arms worship, that's okay with me. Whatever you wanna do. There's a cool YouTube video on all the different worship motions, you watch it. Whatever you wanna do. But I hope you know that you are equipped. Let's pray. Holy Father God, we are just so thankful that we could be in your house this morning. God, as we end this message, end this sermon, I thank you for using someone that's broken like me to present your word. That I have the honor to be an ambassador of you. I'm not worthy of the calling, but you have gifted me and I am talented. And I appreciate that so much. God, I thank you for this audience and these people watching online spurn their hearts to know that they are worthy, they are talented, they are called, they are uniquely made for their environment, God. May we solve the world's problem because truly we have the answer as being mouthpieces of Jesus Christ that he saved the world from all peril. May we take that boldly and proclaim it.